Welcome to this podcast from St. Michael and All Angels Episcopal Church in Albuquerque, New Mexico. We hope you consider hitting like or subscribe. We hope you will share this audio with your friends and neighbors, help others know about our inclusive, theologically progressive community of faith. If you'd like to support our ministries, you can make a gift at stmichaelsabq.org. Oh God, so speak through my words that your words may be heard, and being heard may be believed, and being believed may be lived. Amen. Amen. Thank you to Mike and to all of you for inviting me here to preach today. My name is Beth Scriven. I became friends with Mike and Ellis and Silas during the years when we were all living in St. Louis. And Mike was rector at Holy Communion near the campus ministry where I was chaplain. It was a gift to work and share life together there And it's a gift to be here with you today to celebrate your new ministry together. There have been many gifts in knowing Mike, intangible but also practical, from a travel pillow that accounts for how short my neck is to the discovery that hot sauce doesn't have to taste like battery acid because there are more kinds out there than just the Tabasco that's been sitting open on the Midwestern diner table for six years. (laughs) One of the first times that I really noticed this about Mike was shortly after I joined an intentional community that he had helped form in St. Louis called Anamkara, Gaelic for soul friends. The group was formed of sort of concentric circles Some joined us socially and occasionally. Some of us gathered most Thursdays for potluck dinner and Eucharist in each other's homes. And some of us committed annually to a shared rule of life together. And each quarter, this last circle would gather and touch base more deeply about one of our four main commitments, to pray, to love, to serve, and to share. And on the day that I'm thinking of, we had gathered in my living room for a love check-in, and Mike had brought with him a bottle of wine to share with us because the label said, love. And he said, this is a good bottle of wine I've been saving for a special occasion, and I thought since it's love wine and this is a love check-in, this was the right occasion. And what was memorable about it was not the wine, although it was lovely, What was so Mike about it was what he had chosen to do with that wine. Here is a good thing I have. I want you to have it too. I will enjoy it more. It will be richer if you share it with me. I could tell you a dozen, maybe a hundred more stories like that, but I don't know that I could describe better than that what it is that has drawn so many of us into pastoral or collegial or friend relationships with Mike. Here is a good thing I have. I want you to have it too. Here is a good person I know. I want you to know them too. I want you to share not just the joy of my good fortune, but the actual good fortune itself. 
Come with me. It'll be better if we go together. It's so appropriate that we get to celebrate the joining of the Reverend Mike Angel with the parish of St. Michael and All Angels on the Feast of Elred, a 12th century English abbot and writer best remembered for his work around soul friends, particularly in two ways. One, his treatise entitled On Spiritual Friendship, beautifully summarized by scholar Ed Selner this way. True soul friends do not depend upon each other alone, but root their relationship in God. And then second, because over the last 50 years, some queer theorists and medievalists have wondered whether the intensity with which Elred describes friendship with other men might have been a sign that Elred was actually gay or bi. And because of this, Elred is a patron saint now for a number of contemporary activists and groups who have worked to promote LGBTQIA equality and holiness within the church. Of course, there is much debate anytime we try to figure out who was or wasn't straight in previous eras when sexual identity was so differently understood and talked around. But I'm less interested in whether Aylred was technically gay or not than in this. What I observe about ancient and medieval folks like Aylred, for whom the written record gives us different data than we might collect today, is that the ones who get claimed as patrons for the LGBTQ community are the ones who did not hold back on love out of fear of that love being misinterpreted. The ones who did not hold back on love out of fear of that love being misinterpreted. The witness of Aylred invites us to ask not, is it wise or expedient to love this person, but rather, how does God love and see this person? How does God love and see this person, and how can I love and see them as God does? Our reading today from Philippians comes really close to giving us a helpful answer, but cut, cuts off, in my opinion, a verse too early. So I'm going to give you the verse that we didn't get. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, is what we would have heard if we had continued in the New Revised Standard Version. Common English Bible says it, adopt the attitude that was in Christ Jesus. And while those are my two go-to translations and the best overall, this one time, I think the sense of the verse comes through best in the New International Version. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset that was in Christ Jesus. In other words, true soul friends do not depend on sameness with each other, but find their common ground in God. This is a verse and a passage that has often been weaponized against minority opinions of all sorts. 
used to silence marginalized voices and suppress prophetic witness by interpreting be of one mind as be of the majority mindset. But the assignment, assignment here is not assimilation. It's not to erase difference and suppress dissent. In your relationships with each other, have the same mindset that was in Christ Jesus. See and love one another as God sees and loves each of you in your whole being, in all the beautiful diversity that God desires and creates for us. See each other in that fullness. Love one another as Christ has loved you. St. Michael's, you are already a church that sees and loves the world. You and Mike would not have chosen one another if you were not a community of people who believe that our worship and our prayer lives drive us first and foremost outward into the world that Christ loves and died to save. I love how clear this is in your mission statement, which in fact, I have emailed to the rector of my church in Indianapolis because we have a team struggling right now to write a new one as clean and clear as yours. But in particular, that last line, through creative worship and strong personal commitments, we seek to be transformed by the love of God in Christ so that we might be sent out to serve the poor and all those in need. I know that you see and love the world. I think and hope that you may also have some skill in seeing and loving one another. But this is my charge to you, all of you, today. Do not let the urgency of your mission in the world blind you to the goodness of God's love for you and to your need to find loving companionship in one another. Communities that are drawn together around seeking justice have a problem with this often. Too often, both in justice organizing and in the church where we should know better, we try to leapfrog the small to get to the larger goal any way we can, justifying bad behavior in our communities by telling ourselves it's for a larger good. It does not work. It never works. This is why transformative justice facilitator and author Adrienne Marie Brown sets at the top of her principles for strategic justice work, small is good, small is all. The large is a reflection of the small. Brown is, of course, not the only or first person to highlight this. It shows up all over Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s Ten Commandments for the Nonviolent Movement. Number three, walk and talk in the manner of love, for God is love. Number six, observe with both friend and foe the ordinary rules of courtesy. Number eight, refrain from the violence of fist, tongue, or heart. Dr. King knew that it matters how we are in this work. 
Small is all harks back to Paul's words in Galatians that we will reap what we sow. It reminds us of Aesop's moral that no act of kindness, however small, is ever wasted. I don't know that I've ever seen this as clearly as I did five or six Easter's ago in St. Louis. We were a few, few years into Mike's Parish of Holy Communion officially partnering with my campus ministry, Rockwell House. And part of that partnership was that we shared Easter celebrations. I regularly preached the Saturday vigil service and assisted at the altar on Sunday morning, and so the students carpooled over and usually arrived right around the start of the service. <laughs> they loved those services. The decision to share them was really student-driven. And I'd heard them talk over the years about what they loved about doing Easter with Holy Communion, the choir, the organ, the flowers, the chocolate feast after the vigil, <laughs> how welcoming the congregation was, who the congregation was. These were all things they appreciated. And I felt really good that Mike and I had created an atmosphere where they felt so comfortable and happy at these Holy Communion services. And I think Mike knows where I'm going with this. <laughs> And I suspect that I said something to them about along these lines, although I don't remember how the conversation started. But I remember them looking at me at brunch that Easter, and one of them saying, I mean, Beth, you know we love you and Mike, but Ellis is the one who makes us comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> and they pointed out that when they came to Holy Communion, Mike and I were always busy. We were always somewhere else, off doing something, or sometimes by the time they got there, up front being official already. But Ellis always appeared right beside them, quietly making sure that they had seats, candles, bulletins, guiding them if they had to read or usher. Ellis always saw them and knew how to love them, and didn't need anyone else to see him do it. Ellis taught them more than I ever did about how to do those kinds of things back at Rockwell House to welcome new students into their group. Without any particular social bonds or one-to-one -one peer relationship having to be involved, Ellis became someone whom my students named as having been a friend to their souls by making them feel seen and valued and loved as they were, even when how they were was late or confused or anxious. <laughs> <laughs> Mike and I may have opened the door as clergy to bringing our two communities into partnership. Ellis walked my students through it. What Mike does as your rector will matter a lot. What you do as the people of St. Michael's matters arguably more. How you love one another will have immense implications for how you are able to love and change the world. Love your new rector, St. Michael's. Share your good things with him joyfully. Accept his invitations to try the good things he has. They are generally worth trying. Send him home to his husband and son and dogs. 
when he gets too wrapped up in his work. Remember that you have called not a odd species of perfected angelic being, but a person. <laughs> when you are mad at him, go tell him. Don't make him guess. When you are delighted with him, go tell him. Don't make him guess. When you don't get what he's up to, go ask him. <laughs> Treat each other with the same kind of love and respect you would offer him. Trust his love for you. Mike, love your people and do it out loud. Tell them what you love about them as often as you tell me. Invite them to play and be whimsical and be whole people, but let them encourage you to be a whole person too. Receive those invitations as grace and not criticism. <laughs> Trust their love for you. Trust that the love you all offer each other is rooted in the very love of God, the very being of God. Befriend one another's souls out of that love. And whatever evils you have to fight in the world outside this place, you will not fight them alone. You will not fight them without joy. You will not fight them fruitlessly. As the Indigo Girls sing it, <laughs> you can plant what you want, but one day it's going to rise up. So plant what you need to make a better stand. Bring it all together. Call from the mountain to the valley below, and you'll make it better. It all starts from here. It all grows from love. Amen. Amen.